too late. Could have told the best joke ever. Well, uh, yeah, it's nice to be back. Good to see you all again. Exciting times. WVU won. The cold is finally here. Don't call it a comeback, except it already happened, so you can't call it a comeback. But, uh, yeah, this is exciting to be back. Y'all, I haven't been here for a while. You all moved on. I was off having a baby, and you all y'all basically upgraded. You know, you had Sean come and speak on Amos, and you had John Cochell come and tear down the house, and, and Christopher came. And then someone else talked. Who was that? That was, oh, that one dude from Fairmont. Nah, y'all, y'all, y'all definitely upgraded. But you got to deal with me tonight. And tonight I'm going to be talking about a f book with a funny title. That hey, don't be afraid if you have to look into your table of contents to find this book because it's kind of hidden. We're going to be in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. That's uh, I don't know. I think that's a funny title. It kind of reminds me of like a Star Wars character more than like a person out of the Bible. Star Wars, yes, I like sci-fi movies. You got Jabba the Hutt, you got Qui-Gon Jinn, you got Obi-Wan Kenobi, you got Habakkuk, you got, you know, Newt, whatever that dude's name was from the Trade Federation. Newt, Newt what? Newt Gingrich. <laughs> that joke was hilarious to like six people. <laughs> and that was one of them. That's awesome. Well, uh, sweet. We will be, hopefully that gave you enough time to find the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it wrong. But uh, Habakkuk. 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 I think that's how you say it. But um, a minor prophet. Awesome book. I'm so excited to be in this. But if you've heard me speak enough, I'm pretty excited about all the Bible. So it's like I say that basically before everything I talk about because I just, the Bible's so much fun. But anyways, this book is about it's about dealing with one of the hardest questions, questions that we always have, a heavy question. What do you do with silence? What do you have to what do you do when you have to wait? What do you do when you have to wait on God? That's what the entire book is about. God's seeming silence and what to do with waiting. Who likes waiting? We got two people. I don't really like waiting that much. I actually don't care that much. Ah, some, actually, I do hate waiting. One of the places that I hate waiting is at the DMV. Yes, gosh. I am convinced that hell is just a large DMV. It is just the DMV, but larger. That is, the DMV is like the worst place. I mean, you just don't you just feel for people who work at a DMV? You're like, you look miserable, and it makes sense. You should look miserable. It is so bad. You see that you get to the DMV, and you're like, hey, it opens at 8, so you get there at 8.10, so you can beat everyone there. And then what happens? There's a line to the door. It is like, how did all these people get here in 10 minutes? And then you get through that line, and what happens? They, they are so cruel, they put you in another line after you finish that line. They, they like... The DMV is the worst, and if you manage to go and endure like I did last year for two and a half hours, when I got there early, you will be gifted with this wonderful driver's license. <laughs> Who is that? That's not me. I, it says Jordan Goody, that is not me. You know, you know what's the worst about this driver's license? I kid you not. First of all, 
I've, this is my second one in West Virginia. Y'all got a problem with black people and lights. This is a racial, it's injustice. That's what it is. But, you know, moving off of that, this is my second one. You know, I, I went and stood next to the window. I had lights on me. I made sure that I went on a sunny day. And it was worse. It was worse than the previous one. It was so bad that I went, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, I went on a trip, wonderful trip, my Katie's gone, but we went skiing with my dad in Canada, and they wouldn't even accept it. They wouldn't accept my driver's license. They said, hey, we don't know if that's you, man, at the airport. It's like, this is official. Yeah, but we don't know who that is. That's that's, that's not you. That's what I was gifted with. Two hours in the DMV. Waiting is not fun. You know, another place where it's not fun waiting is when, it's what, it's 11.30, you just get out of class, and you're in Clark Hall, and so you Usain bolt it to the lair to beat everyone else to lunch. And what happens? All of West Virginia University is in the lair eating at the same time, equally spread apart from Witch Witch to Burger King to Chick-fil-A, Every line is full, and you're just like, oh, why do I have to wait? But what happens? Of course, Sabaro has no one in that line, but <laughs> it's Sabaro. Sabaro. Hey, sushi is good. I like sushi. You know, you might get the bubble guts from it, but it's worth it, you know? But, well, is it worth it? You know, some people are like, man, did he just go there? I did. Let's just move on. But, uh, no, what, what, I don't know. What are some other things that we hate to wait with? What about waiting on people? I'm someone that people usually have to wait on because your boy is always late to everything. <laughs> I just enjoy being late. It's CP time, man. It's, it's, but oh, most people don't get that. But anyways, you know, you have that person where you, well, you're like, hey, you know what? I know that so-and-so, my friend, is always late. So we all, let's say we're going to go eat at 7. And so we tell this person 530. <laughs> and what happens? They show up at 715. Like they just, it just, it just, it just, but waiting is not fun. No one enjoys waiting. No one raises their hand with waiting. And Habakkuk, Habakkuk is an entire book upon on waiting. And this guy is, some people call him the philosopher, prophet. I really enjoy him. I like questions, and this dude has a ton of them. And so we're kind of gonna we're gonna work through his questions. And it's so cool because we my prayer for tonight is that what happened in this man's heart would be what happens in our hearts. It is so beautiful, this book. Let's go ahead and start with verse 1. We've got Habakkuk 1 through 4. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? How long must I call for help, and you do not listen? I cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Basically, it's saying, like, violence is going on around me, and it's not stopping. Even when I pray against it, it's not stopping. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do, you, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Look, God, you made me someone who cares about righteousness, and now I'm looking at injustice, and it bothers me. Why don't you want to do something about that? Why did you give me a heart that cares about these things, and then I still got to look at these, these things happen all around me? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, and justice never prevails. The wicked him in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Basically, he's like, look, it's, it, I feel like it stinks to be someone who loves you. Because the outside world, those who don't care about you, they are, they are pushing me in. They are pressuring me. And it's harder and harder to be a follower of you. 
I don't think, I think there's a lot of us who feel the same way that he does. We look at the world going on, we look at all the things going on in the world around us. I mean, just, just pick something. The world around us, you got politics. Why are, why, why are politicians sh so shady? Why can't I just have a president that I enjoy and that I like more? Or, hey, wh what's the deal with all of the floods and everything happening? Why do so many people, like just normal people who didn't do anything bad to anybody, like why do they have to lose their homes? Why does that have to be hurricane after hurricane? Or if it's not natu natural disasters, what if it's something else? Like, uh, what? Why does life just have to be so hard? Why did, why did my dad love me? Why did my mom love me? I didn't make them have me, but, but why couldn't they just love me better? Why do my friends have to be the way that they are sometimes towards me? Why do they have to hurt me? Why do people have to hurt me? Why do I have to watch other people get hurt? Why does school have to be so hard sometimes? Everybody asks these why questions. We're always asking these why questions. And, you know, if you've studied the Bible long enough and if you've asked questions long enough, you know that these why questions... We live in a broken world. Because we said no to God in the beginning, because we said no, from that day forward, there was always going to be injustice. There was always going to be brokenness. There was always going to be pain and hurt. All of these things were going to be there. Because we said no. And whether we like it or not, because we live in a world where selfishness is possible, there's a lot of hurt that goes on. Some hurt that we dish out and some hurt that we receive. And Habakkuk, he's looking at this stuff and he's like, God, why? Why does this have to happen? Don't you care? Are you even listening? I don't think I'm the only person who's thought that before. God, are you listening? Do you care? So just to set the scene a little bit for what's going on, we got this scene where Southern Habakkuk is in southern Judah. And southern Judah is, I should have a slide for this. There we go. Thank you, Sean. The uh, Sean is awesome. He does, uh, I'm sorry, Miranda is doing the slides. But Sean makes the slides. Sean does a whole lot. He preaches. He does sound. He makes slides. He does all these at the same time. He's extremely skilled, as you can tell. But um, the kingdom of Judah is in moral, financial, cultural, and spiritual decline. When you have all four of those things, that means stuff isn't good. That's, that's what you can take from that. It is not good. The kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom, it's bad. They just had their king die. Who was the, he was the last good king, and he was awesome. He dies, and stuff gets real bad real quick. And Habakkuk is looking at all this stuff in decline. And not only is there this internal tension in the nation, there's an external tension beyond their own country. It's a group called the Chalde Chaldeans, the Babylonians. The Chaldeans were basically this small group of people who took over a larger nation, the Babylonians. But the Chaldeans were, they were pretty good when it came to fighting. And so they conquered and they enslaved. And they conquered and they enslaved. They were extremely cruel. They were extremely good at what they did. They were extremely strategic. And they're looking at this nation bearing down upon them, and they're like, man, this is really bad. Not only is life tough personally, but it's also tough everything going on around us. Lord, do you care what's going to happen to us? And in the midst of God seeming basically in action, lost my stuff. In the midst of God's seeming in action, we have this book. And Habakkuk asks ask a set of questions, and so we're just going to work through those questions tonight.
But the first thing that I want to say that we see from this. He says, God, are you even listening? And he prays to God. He's honest with God. Isn't that so cool? Heather talked about prayer. Now I can try to break it down because I won't be able to break it down as well as she did. I don't know where you are, Heather, but that was awesome. So detailed. So many things I can go do with that. Prayer. Prayer is like, (laughs) prayer is kind of funny because, I don't know, I I listen to a lot of prayers. I say a lot of prayers. And in the prayers that I have observed, not everyone is honest in their prayers. Not everyone has Habakkuk prayers. Y'all looking at me like kind of blank faces, you know, like, ah, maybe. Okay, let me give you some examples of how we are dishonest in our prayers. We basically lie to God in our prayers, not intentionally, but we just, we, we, we do. We just kind of do. We got the, what are some examples of like some just bad praying, or not bad praying, just dishonest praying. We got the super spiritual prayer. Everybody, I mean, I, I, I've seen it all. I don't know, maybe y'all haven't seen it. You got the person who's like, oh, Lord God of inertia. Sovereign Lord of the universe, your propitiation, your declarative will has brought forth. No, please stop, man. Thank you. We don't want to hear that. That is the look that you have. A, you have a Bible concordance. That is impressive. But that is like we don't we don't have to come to God and spruce up our prayers and try to impress him with these big words. We won't even know what they mean. Or we got we got other other prayers where we basically preach in our prayers I don't know, you like might go out to Chili's with your with a group of friends. All your friends are there. You're at Chili's. You're celebrating your birthday. And then what happens? You're like, hey, let me say grace. And you say grace, and you're like, Lord, hey, thank you for this food. Help me today. But also, Lord God, would you just help my roommate to wash the dishes? And <laughs> would you really, Lord, would you just go and help? Yeah, would you just help my boyfriend to, to, to just tell me how much, how good I look today? Because he hasn't told me in like over a week, and I'm just really uncomfortable about that. <laughs> and could you also tell my friends to stop gossiping about me? You know, it's just, I just don't like that. Like, but we do that. We go and tell, we, we don't even pray to God. The prayer never leaves the room because it's only about what we have to say to everybody else, and we pray it to God. But that's not, that's not prayer either. Or we got, or we got, this is, and I'll just raise my hand on this one because this is, this is your boy right here. The too humble prayer. Anybody, anybody, uh, the person who is like, Lord, just, oh, just, Lord God, thank you, just, oh, we just love that word, just, uh, just, Lord God, look, I don't, I don't need anything special. I just ask that you bless me a little today, not too much. I don't need a whole bunch of stuff, you know. It's just like, would you just like help me with my test today? Look, I didn't study that much, so could you just give me a C? I don't need an A. I don't need all that. <laughs> look, look, you know, I know I didn't earn it. Just give me a C. I'll be settled with that. And also, I'm kind of hungry. Could you give me some macaroni and cheese? But you know, that's all I need. I don't need any meat. I don't need any vegetables. Just something simple. Some maybe some ramen. I don't look. I don't even need the spices, you know, or uh, macaroni and cheese. Look, I don't even need craft. Just, just, just give me, just give me great value. I don't even need the good stuff you know like but that's what we do we just like come like but you don't see that in the bible you don't see you don't see people walk up to god and just like you that's not how they pray in fact in the bible when i read the psalms many of their prayers it seems like they're yelling when they're praying they're just like oh lord god help oh enemies are all around my my wife has left me i don't have any hope i'm scared i don't even know if i believe in you anymore people want to kill me oh like 
Man, hey, if any of y'all want to yell when you pray, that would be so entertaining. I'm so down for somebody to just take that literally and just become a yelling prayer. <laughs> I'm really hoping that someone does that. I would just enjoy that so much. Or what, what else we have? I, you know, I'm, I'm going to hit this hard because this is, it's just so true. Like, oh, we got the too hurried prayer. Oh, Lord God. Hey, help me today. I am. I got to eat my breakfast, but hey, help me. I'm all right. Quick, I got I to get test. Uh, uh. You can't even, like, get the whole prayer. You just you keep repeating the same words over. Because I sound ridiculous, but it's literally how it is. Am I gone? Am I, oh, I'm still there. It's just me. Oh, it's, it's I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to try to hold it like this. Forgive me. But uh, this is all my fault. Sean has been telling me, he said, Jordan, hey, we really need a new snake. And he said this like six years ago. And I still haven't gotten a new one. So, you know, this is, this is all my fault. But, yeah, we got the two hurried prayer. You just, you go and you say this four-second prayer when you're rushing out of class. Lord, help me with my algebra test. Help me quick. Amen. <laughs> and then we come home and we're exhausted at the end of the day and we didn't do well in our class. And, and we're like, Lord, man, I prayed to you. I said, I, I had like a, I gave you four seconds, and I even read the verse of the day in my Version app. I even read that one. I had, I had some good Devo time, and you have not blessed me. Y'all, y'all, y'all know this. But he's honest, and he tells God exactly how he feels, exactly what he's struggling with, and he just, and he just says it, and hey, I'll just be honest. You know, one thing that's great about prayer, one thing, one great way to pray is just to say everything that is on your heart. You know, I don't think there's anything too small to be prayed about. If you need something, pray about that. If you want to see someone grow or change or if you want your heart to grow, pray about that. How many times do we like, I got, I mean, I think about the missions apps that we just like we just picked up next last week and. Some of y'all, I mean, this is what I would do. This is what I used to do, where I'd pick up my missions app, and I'm like, oh, man, I really want to go on a mission trip, but, you know, my parents probably aren't going to like this, and, you know, I probably shouldn't even, like, uh, yeah, I probably shouldn't even try with this, you know, and actually, you know, what can I figure out? How can I raise this money by myself, you know, Lord God? And, uh, uh, well, I'm not even saying Lord God, because I'm not asking him. I am going through the entire scheme of how I'm going to figure this out on my own, and then maybe I may remember that, oh, yeah, I guess I could talk to God about this. But what if we brought things to God first? Lennon Nolan said this when he was here uh, a month ago, fall, fall advanced speaker. He was awesome. But he said this, and it has wrecked me. He said, guys, we are so close to a powerful prayer life if we would just pray. Because if you are anxious, if you are anxious, you're more than halfway there. You're already worried about something. Now just say it to God and ask him to help. If you are anxious, just just say it. You're already there. That is like, oh, man, I don't know if that's anything for you, but, man, that's, that messed me up. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer, in every situation, pray about everything. Don't hold on to stuff. Pray about everything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, thanks to God. Sorry. I'll use the other one. Mm. Okay, I'll use, I'll use this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to stay right here. 
I'm scared. But what happens? God answers his prayer, and we see in Habakkuk 1.6, God answers, and he says, sweet, hey, don't worry, I am listening, and therefore, I am actually raising up the, the Babylonians right now, and they're going to bring about the justice that you're asking for. And he's like, hold on, what? No way. Please, not them, God. And I, I, can't, I don't have enough time to go way into this, but what I will say is he got an answer, but his answer wasn't what he expected. As I've walked with God, I have seen this to be so true more and more. God will answer many of my prayers, not the way that I expected them to be answered. If I get over different expectations, I'll be a lot happier in my life. He says, hey, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want the Babylonians to, to answer this prayer. I don't, I don't want them around at all. They're actually pretty cruel people. And then God's like, no, no, no. I've actually already been working on this before you even thought about it. But I'm going to use a method that you're probably not too excited about. And then what happens after that? Habakkuk is furious. He isn't just like, I don't like this. He actually gets mad at God and he complains. And he's like, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, God, you cannot use them. You cannot use them. They are awful. They are so bad. And then God's like, hey, hold on. I am not only going to use them. I am going to bless them. Because the very thing that you are trying to escort out of your life is the very thing that I am using to grow you and to build you up. Got a question. What is the thing that's in your life right now that you are praying to God that would leave, but actually it's the very thing that he's trying to use to build you, to help you to grow? For me, it's probably like a balanced life. I'm always like, man, balance, can you hear me? If I can a bit more balance. Yes. Forgive me, Sean. Forgive me. There we go. Is that better? I'm like, oh, Lord, if I could just have a little bit more balance. Stand over here. If I could just have a little bit more balance, if things could just line up perfectly, and if I could have less problems, then everything would just be better in my life. And God's like, no, no, no. That that lack of balance, your plans falling through, people not being able to be relied on in the ways that you thought and expected that they should, your, the things that you try to put your security in, those not working out, that's actually growing you. That's actually building you up. That's actually helping you to become someone way better than who you've been. The very things that you want to escort out of your life, the things that you are calling problems, are the very things that I'm using to make you into someone better than you could ever imagine. He challenged his expectations, and then he challenges the method. And he asked him, are you going to trust me, the master, to use my own methods? Habakkuk becomes okay with this, and he's like, all right, all right, all right. This is cool. This is cool. I guess I can have different expectations, and I guess that I can be okay with the fact that you're working this out. 
But how long, Lord God? How long do I have to wait? How many of us ask that question of God? Okay, fine. You're going to do something, but how long? I ask that question all the time. I just want to know when. And then it says in Habakkuk 2.3, he says, for the revelation, this is God answering him, his question. When he says, how long? For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of an end. It will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. Basically, he's saying, I have an answer, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. He won't tell you. He won't tell you when, basically, when the package is arriving. Anyone like to shop online? I like to shop online. I love to shop online. I love Amazon. Love Amazon. I'm just, I'm just like, hey, you know what? I'm sitting in my house, and I'm like, yeah, I could go to Walmart and go and buy this. I could. I could get in my car. I could turn it on. I could drive 12 minutes. I could go and find it at Walmart and then go and look around, you know, at the 200 checkout lines that they have and notice that only two of them happen to be open and, you know, 20 people are in each line. You know, I could I could go and enjoy all of these things or I could make some popcorn and I could press some buttons on my phone while I'm waiting for the popcorn and before the popcorn is finished, I could have it ordered and it's going to show up. So therefore, now you see why I like Amazon. After nine or ten days, or nine out of ten times, Amazon tells me exactly the day it will show up. And it arrives at that time. I also like to buy books, though. I like to buy books by people who don't live anymore. Old dead guys. And, and women. Men and, men and women. Old, old dead guys and gals. Old, de old dead <laughs> double Gs. But when I buy stuff from them, you know what happens? Usually, they don't give me a tracking number for that. The only thing I know is that it will arrive at a certain time. That's the only thing that I'm guaranteed about. But it's not telling me when that time will be. Usually, that's how God operates. He didn't tell, he didn't tell mankind when the Messiah was coming the first time. He says, I know, but I won't tell you. And he came. And the second coming of the Messiah, he says, I know, but I won't tell you. In fact, Acts 1-7 says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set on his own authority. God doesn't want us to, he doesn't want you to start worrying about the burden of timing. That's a burden that he does not want you to have, nor is it one that you should carry. Just imagine, if you knew when stuff was going to arrive, you, wouldn't, you would no longer think about anything else except the day it's going to arrive. You'd kind of stop and just wait for it. You'd stop living. He doesn't want you to have to think about that. And he also doesn't want you to worry about the burden of the issue. Like, he has other things set in his mind. That's why he, that's why he says, I have, like, I have seen far out in the distance. I am thinking about eternity when it comes to you. A perfect example in Habakkuk's case is the fact that what's going on around Habakkuk is Habakkuk is looking at all, Habakkuk is looking at all these circumstances and he's like, why is stuff so bad? Why can't things just be worked out the way that we think they should be? Ought, they ought to be worked out. And then God is saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm actually not even th thinking about right now. Right now is going to take care of itself. You'll be all right. I'm actually thinking about preparing you all to be a people where the Messiah can come and dwell in your country. 
I'm trying to get you ready for something. And it's the same thing with us. He's trying to get us ready for something. He's trying to move us somewhere. We're always so caught up on this in the symptom of the thing or what's going on today. And God's like, I'm looking weeks, months, years out. You're worried about feeling a little bit better in this moment. And I'm, I'm worried about making you into something that looks like me. I'm looking so far ahead in the distance. Habakkuk is like, all right, Lord, how long do I have to wait? And God gives him this answer. And this is not a fun answer. It's just not. I don't know. I think about like, for me, I don't really struggle with waiting because I take a book everywhere. I like to read books and I just go and stand in lines and I read books. I'm that weird dude who has a book in the middle of a line where people are running around and doing a bunch of stuff and yelling. I just, that's just me. But the problem with waiting for me is the way that the heat kind of rises up in the room and the tension builds where you're like getting closer and closer and closer to the thing needing to happen and things are still not working out. Like I was at the airport the other day and it was just like, hey, you know what? Every every flight is going to be at 6 a.m. when my flight was. At least that's what it felt like because the security line was literally, I was in security for over an hour. And I got up, I was in the security line while they were boarding for my flight. And I'm standing in the security line, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to panic. You know, Lord, I trust you. Yeah, it'll be all right. Yeah, 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 it'll be cool. Ten minutes, ten minutes, ten minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's 15 minutes before my flight, and I'm still in the security line. And I'm just like, man, Lord, am I going to be able to – do I need to freak out right now and just try to run to the front of the line, or do I just need to trust you? And I was like, well, I just trust you. And, you know, I made it through, and I ran up to my flight, and, you know, I ran the whole way. But I got there about four minutes before they closed the door, and it all worked out. It's hard to wait on God because you have this rising tension of all these things going on around you. I don't know. I love this, like, cartoon. I don't know if y'all think it's funny. It's funny to me. That is, that is just so funny to me. It is like, it's fine. This is fine. This, yes, this is fine. It's okay. But that's like, you feel like that sometimes as a Christian, where you're like, oh, no, no, God loves me. And like the flames are just getting hotter and hotter, and this thing is needing to happen soon. And you're like, Lord, you should do something right now, or we're in trouble. But he's like, hey, this is fine. It's okay. And I just think this is so cool solely because of the very last chapter of this book. The, the last chapter is like one of the most beautiful chapters in the entire Bible. Habakkuk 3, man, it, yo, you should go and just read it every day this next week because it's amazing. And if some of you all are wondering, like, okay, you've said some things about the how, like how do we wait on God? How do we endure? How do we do what Habakkuk did? And, and he gives us like a template right here. It's so good. I'm just going to read it. It's, I just love it. He said, Lord, I have heard of, well, first of all, I'll say it's Habakkuk 3. I'm going to start with one. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shigionath. That is a he, uh, Hebrew term. Basically, just means put this to music. It just means, hey, sing this. this make this a song. This is, this is awesome. Now, we're not going to sing it, you know. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not the sound real. You know, I can't, I can't sing and stuff, but, but. He's, that's what he's saying. Like, this should be a song. 
Lord, I have heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So beautiful. In wrath, remember mercy. We talked about this like a month ago. We talked about how good wrath is. How If God didn't deal harshly with sin, then he would therefore prove to us that he is not loving. He has to be tough on sin. But he says, I'm not asking for you not to bring justice. I'm asking that when you bring justice, you would remember mercy. When those who beg for mercy, would you let them have it? Such a beautiful thing. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. We know about what you did for our ancestors or those who went before us. We know about you bringing them through the, the Red Sea and all the things, the book of Joshua, like all the miracles. We know about this stuff, how you made David and King David and Solomon great. We know about this stuff. Would you repeat these things in our day? Oh, lost my page. But then he says this towards the end. And this is like, this is like, this is it's so beautiful. He says this, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful in God my Savior. He doesn't say, because I have these things, I'll be joyful. Because, like, what he means when he says this stuff, like, literally, when, when it says the, the crops fail, that means the crops lie. That means that we go and do everything that you're supposed to do in order to get a harvest, and then in the end, nothing comes of it. We do all the work, and we get nothing for it. And then he says, hey, there's no sheep in the pen, and there's no cattle in the stalls. That means we don't have any security. So basically, he's like, look, I don't have anything to eat today. I don't know what I'm going to eat tomorrow, and I don't have any security. I don't have any money. I don't have any money in the bank account. My family doesn't have any money in the bank account. I can't call my parents up and try to get some money from them. It, it really is hopeless. It seems like that all around me, yet I will rejoice. That is so cool. I, maybe one reason why it's cool to me. So I'm reading this book with Nathan Bonham's back there and a few other people. We're reading this book together. It's by a guy named Francis Schaeffer, True Spirituality. Really cool book, kind of heady, but it's, it's, it's good. It's really good. But he says this, and I'm just like, it is beautiful. It is so beautiful. And I'm just going to kind of read it to you, and hopefully this will make sense. He said, um, I don't know if I can find it. Ah, there we go. He says that we must remember that the only instrument for accepting Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross for the removal of our guilt and sin is faith. That's our only instrument. It's the only way. That's the only connection from accepting what Jesus did on the cross to that being realized in our lives. It's only faith. Will I believe? Will I believe in what you did for me? Will that be enough? But then he says this. Faith is the only instrument to accept Jesus. Faith in what Jesus has done. But he adds that faith is not faith in faith. We don't just have faith in like, ah, Lord, hey, you know what? I think things are going to work out. I'm just believing. I'm, I'm, I'm believing that faith is going to get us through. No. He says it is believing in the specific promises of God. 
the promises of God. When I said that there was a how in this text, this is it. He goes and he talks to himself. And he said, just like David did when David was in as a psalm and David is like, man, Lord, stuff is really bad. And my soul is downcast. But then he talks to his soul and he tells him, but hope thou in God. Why are you downcast on my soul? You hope in God. He speaks to himself literally. And that's that's what he's doing. That's what Habakkuk is doing. He is taking the promises of God and he is making them a reality in his own life first by speaking it and saying it and reminding himself of who God is and the fact that he is sovereign. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines and though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen and though the cattle, there's no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. And it says this, the sovereign Lord is my strength. The sovereign Lord. That, that word sovereign means that he's in control of everything. He said the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. I wanted to show a video right now, but I'm not going to do it because this would be a weird time to show a video. But it's a really cool video. I, was, I, can't, I, I actually didn't get your name as a British girl here. She has a sick accent. British people, y'all just have great accents. Can I just say that? She's somewhere. She's, she's over here somewhere. But you just have great accents. And the video had a British dude, which makes the video ten times better, showing baby ibex, these like goat, wild goats, learning how to walk at the tops of mountains in Israel and the Mediterranean region. It's like fascinating because they're like jumping on these cliffs. And I mean, sometimes it was so steep and they are literally walking, kind of like chilling in unstable circumstances. You know, from where we are today, this has kind of lost its meaning because we're like, hey, we don't see wild goats anywhere and we don't really understand this whole. I mean, we hit deer with cars and some of us shoot them and, and you know, eat them. And hey, by the way, just because it's OK in West Virginia, if you hit a deer, you shouldn't eat that. You know, you should just throw it to the side, you know, but that's just uh, silly Texan saying weird things. But anyways, no, like when it <laughs> a few of y'all got that. This, you don't know about the law in West Virginia where if you, if you hit a deer then is, or any, any, if you hit any animal, if you put it, put it in your truck or your car within 30 minutes, you can go home and take it and eat it, you know? But it has to be within like 30 minutes or an hour. But, all right. Maybe I offended some people. I'm sorry, West Virginians. <laughs> don't let what he says get lost in translation. What he is saying is, look. The world, the world is full of sin and darkness, and it's unsettled everywhere. It's not easy tra- to traverse this land. It will never be kind, and it's extremely uneven. But if your hope is in the Lord, you will be able to dance through it. You will be able to... People will look at you and, and be like, are you even on uneven ground at all? Because you will be so secure in the most unstable circumstances. That is a promise. We t- Charles talked about it last year. Remembering the promises of God. They are so important. In those darkest moments, say these things to yourselves. 
The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer, and he enables me on the heights. He enables me to walk on the heights. Last thing I'm going to say, there was this really cool article. It's like not necessarily entertaining, but it's extremely interesting. So I hope I don't, I hope I don't lose you with this. Basically, many years ago, this doctor wrote this article, and he said, I wish that I could prescribe hope. And I'm going to read it because I don't want to mess up his words. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'm going to like read his, a summary of it. He says, I wish I could prescribe hope. He says in the article, as a doctor, we could have two page patients that basically presented the same exact symptoms, which basically presented with the exact same disease, which presented with the exact same course of action. He said, we would talk to one and they would live, and then the other would die. As a surgeon, he would say, I would go in, and I would see the exact same thing. Two people, one would live, the other would die. Medically, I can give you reasons why they did, why they died, but honestly, there was, there was really no reason. What I've learned over the years of practicing medicine is that the people who have hope, they come out of things. The people who have hope they come out of things. People who have no hope, they don't come out of things. So two different individuals have the exact same disease at the exact same stage, both requiring surgery. One lives and the other dies. He would say there is no reason that the two of them should have, should have lived or should have died. But one says, or I'm sorry, he says there's no reason that both of them should have, he says that there's no reason that both of them should have lived. They both should have lived. But what happened? One says at the beginning, hey, you know what? I'm going to get through this. I'm going to make it. And the other person would say, I'm not sure I'm going to get through this. I don't know. I don't know if I'll be able to overcome. And what happens? Only one lives. And he said, I lament the fact that I cannot prescribe hope as a drug. Because that is the most important drug. Habakkuk had to have his faith developed. And he had to learn how to trust God. When God didn't meet his expectations, when God was silent, when God asked him to wait, when God used different methods than what he wanted. And it's the same thing for us. Lord God, will we trust your silence? The band can go ahead and come back up. I'm done. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we would take your promises seri seriously, that we would put our hope in you. You are sovereign, Lord God. And our circumstances, they are, though they are loud and though they present to us seemingly very unsettling circumstances or dilemmas, we'll get through it, Lord, with you. For you say in this book that the righteous will live by faithfulness. Our faith in your faithfulness. I pray over everyone here that that would be our reality. That we, Lord God, would put our trust in your faithfulness. Help us, Lord. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, tonight... Um, going to do things a little differently. We don't necessarily like silence, but we're going to embrace it right now.
we're going to have a few minutes where there's not going to be anything else going on. We're just going to have silence. And you're going to have your thoughts. And you're going to have just this thought of, Lord God, can I trust you with the things that I am most unsettled about right now? Will I trust you? Will I remember that you are sovereign? My prayer is that the peace of God which passes all understanding would rest upon you in this time and that you would be able to see the sovereign God and see that he is trustworthy. And so we'll have this time. The, uh, you can close your eyes. You can, you can do whatever, but yeah.